0: Lou just brought forth a word from the Lord. (laughs) He got a vision of Jesus picking up this box. For those that may not know, this box is getting heavier and heavier, but it's about to get lighter and lighter with names that are coming into the kingdom of heaven, names that are coming to Jesus, a prodigal box that's about to become a promise-filled box, the promise that Jesus chastens those he loves. And Brother Lou saw Jesus holding this box near and dear to his heart. Can we just say breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough over this box? In Jesus' name, amen. Whoo. Woo. God is good. All the time. All the time. good. Yeah. You may look around and see this land as a land full of problems. I'm not looking at UPD for any particular reason. I just happened to look to the left. You're an optimist. That's good. I think you're in Jesus' camp. You may look around and see this land as a land of problems. But God sees it as a promised land. Amen. Amen. Promised land in the scripture refers to a land of Blessing. And we're tasting some of that commanded blessing when we dwell together in unity like we are today. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. This message is a little trek, a little journey through the scripture about how God wants to work with us to take this land. how God wants to work with us to take this land. Hmm. There's a few different places in the book of Beginnings, Genesis, where God affirms his covenant. He initiates and affirms his covenant with Abraham. Chapter 17, God says this to Abraham, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. Say all the land. I'm not trying to make robots, but it just helps you remember a key point in this message. How much of the land did God swear? To Abraham. We're going to see who swears it to us, too. It's an everlasting possession, and I will be their God, referring to the future children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham that will take the land, as God has accurately prophesied. 400 years later, Mm -hmm. after bondage, for reasons that I don't want to go into now, but I can only go into limited depth with because sometimes God does things that are above us. How many know he's above us? His ways are higher than ours. I can't explain all the reasons. I will say this. There was a fullness and a completion of the sin of the Amorites and other nations that God wanted to see come to pass because he's a merciful God. Yeah. He doesn't. He, does, he goes, he goes every, every distance. He's steadfast, long-suffering, patient with us, giving us every opportunity to serve him. And he knew that they wouldn't, but he let them find and make their own choices, these wicked nations, including the Amorites, in the Canaan land. So we flash forward 400 years from when the the Israelites are initially taken captive, and there's this guy named Moses that God raises up. Many of us know this, but permit me just to go into it a little depth in case someone doesn't. God raises up Moses, a leader, whom the enemy, through Pharaoh, tries to kill, miraculously saves him, raises him up. He struggles with his calling, but eventually steps into it. And he's leading the people out after 10 plagues that the Lord has foisted on the Egyptians. 10 miraculous plagues. He's leading the children of Israel out. We see that in the book of Exodus, the great exit from Canaan, from Egypt. They're heading to the promised land. Moses with the permission of God, sends out spies into the land, 12 of them, one representing each of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. They go out into the land, and only two come back with a positive report saying we can take the land, and 10 say no, we can't. Those 10 naysayers say we are not able to go up. This is in Numbers 13, the account of this event. We're not able to go up to the people for they are stronger than we. How much of the land did Abraham get told to take? How much of the land do you think we're supposed to take? (laughs) You're right and you're going to see it in a minute even more. Conviction of the Holy Spirit. These ten naysayers sway the perspective in the hearts of an entire nation. Moses, Aaron, we see in Scripture, along with Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb tearing their clothes in an absolutely impassioned expression of how disappointed how passionate and zealous they are for the Lord to show himself strong and take the land. They tear their clothes because of these naysayers. The Lord says, this generation, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, Moses and Aaron, and perhaps others that believed, shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. My prayer in earnest is that we will not reject what the Lord is commissioning us to take in this land. Forty years in the wilderness, that generation... That fell short of taking the land, they die off. Hebrews 3 says they die off because of unbelief. They were not able to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. Amen. There is a promise for us in this land. There's a promise that God declares over this land. His will from heaven is that we take the land. Forty years in the wilderness, Moses unable to take. Go in and lead the children of Israel to take the land because of his own pride and his own sin. God raises up Joshua in his place and says, Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Joshua. I will not leave you or forsake you. Say that aloud. I will not leave you or forsake you. God is, with us. God is with us. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. This is a simplified map showing the campaign, the conquest of this land by Joshua and the children of Israel. They crossed the Jordan River miraculously. As God was with Moses, he will be with Joshua and he parts the Jordan for Joshua just as he parted the Red Sea for Moses. It stands up on a heap and the whole of the nation of Israel is able to pass through. There's many signs and signals and miracles that we have witnessed in this house that should serve as a positive memorial for us to go forth and take this land. Even though we don't see how to take it, necessarily in our minds let us not forget how god has part of the jordan for us in our situations the healings of cancer that are among us the deliverances from addiction that are present here the radical the radical outpouring of his grace in a provisionary capacity where he's poured out his funds his finances for us to do what we're supposed to do. oh the list goes on the list goes on so many Jordan rivers have been crossed. They cross the Jordan River. They camp at a place called Gilgal. And you'll see Jericho right in the center of the map is the heart, the very center point of this land that they're called to take. It's the most fortified city. It's the first city they're called to take, and it's the most fortified city they're called to take. It's, it's surrounded by two concentric, thick stone walls, That Joshua and his army only have knives and swords and spears to go up against. You can't make battering rams in the desert. I don't know if catapults and trebuchets were made yet. So here Joshua is camping. He's outside Jericho asking God, what shall we do? And God gives him the answer. I'm going to give you an unorthodox mode to take this method, to take this land out, to take this city. You're going to go around with seven priests blowing seven trumpets for seven days, and on the last day, around seven times the city. You're going to surround the city, and on that last day, after seven seven times surrounding that city, marching around it, you and the whole of the children of Israel, you're going to shout, and the walls are going to come tumbling down. How many know that there's some walls that need to come tumbling down in this region? Hmm. They go into the land and then they go to a southerly campaign and then they go conquest some of the northern areas as well. Joshua uh, 11 says they take the whole land and implying that they had control of most of the land. I want to go back. This is a scriptural journey, a little trek, trying to establish why God, how God wants to work with us to take this land. In the very beginning of creation, day six, God creates man, and he says, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, present in the beginning, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. Sometimes, not anymore, by the grace of God, I've let slip out of my mouth, God, you've got this. You're in control. According to Genesis 1, that's not a correct statement. This predates the covenants. All of the covenants, the covenant he made with Abraham, the covenant he made with Noah, Moses, David, even the new covenant. This is the DNA, the essence of who God is. He's saying, let them. He's saying, in my sovereignty, in my almighty identity, I am designing it so that men will take the land. Let them have dominion. Radah in the Hebrew. Let them subdue. Let them bring into subject the land. God is in control. No, he's saying to us, I've commissioned you to work with me. I will not take the land, the promised land, with that first generation of the children of Israel. I will not take the land without them. They rejected me, so they will go into the wilderness, and they will not occupy the land. But the second generation that's coming up after the exodus, Joshua's generation, we will take the land. Even though we don't know how to take Jericho, even though we don't know how to take this land, we will step into it. Yes. And now, and now I will work with them. Whew. I'm just going to say this once. My passion is for this land my passion is not I'm not coming down hard on anybody I am passionate this is a hill that I'm willing to die on I'm just confessing that to my dying breath I am going to work and do my best to take this land so if I'm coming across as strong it's because I feel the zeal of the Lord I hope you do too Verse 28 of Genesis 1, Then then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That black area on the map represents at least part of the area that remained unconquered with the campaign of that second generation under Joshua to take the land. The Jebusites remained in Jerusalem for another 400 years and weren't vanquished from that city until David came. Joshua, in an ill-advised decision, gets deceived and making a partnership, a treaty, a covenant with the Gibeonites. Well, oh, we're from a far-off land, they say. We're not the occupants here that you need to that God has told you to take away, we just want protection. We'll serve you. Deceived into making a covenant, the the city of Gibeon remains unconquered. The bulk of that black spot that you see is a nation called Philistia, the Philistines. Sound familiar? Constant nag to the children of Israel a constant irritation and agitation to what God wanted to do, even through David's day, even after the slaying of Goliath. How much of the land do you think God wants us to take? Just asking. Just asking. Oh. <laughs> this is what our land could be rendered as now. I'm not, I don't know exactly. But a land that's fractured and fragmented with strongholds. Strongholds in the church. Praise God. I think I can count 40 or just over 40 ministers from different denominations that I now see regularly, once a month or at least once a quarter. And these, these different denominations aren't your typical denominations that get together. Catholics associating with charismatics? <laughs> Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopals, Baptists? It's really good. We need more of that. That's just one of the black spots in this, in this area, bondages. How many of us are so disappointed when the next person, maybe it's a nephew, maybe it's a son, maybe it's a granddaughter, starts getting hooked on drugs? These are, that's, a, that's an area of bondage in this area. There's an assignment from the enemy to... Uh, counterfeit what God has, the fulfillment that God has in himself, and lure kids and tempt them and pull them away and destroy them. Oh, God is in control. God's got it. While we sit back on our Facebook accounts and just hours and hours not interceding on our knees and praying, we wonder why more. We don't see more. Oh, hunger, desperation for those that are lost. What if it was your child? And I know there are some here. But for the rest of us, can we assume that burden that the other person is carrying? I can't. Which tells me I need to stay off Facebook. Facebook is fine in and of itself. But you know and I know that it can get carried away. All of a sudden, scrolling and time goes away. And we say we don't have time to be on our knees and time to take on the hunger and the thirst that God wants to give us, a holy hunger, because our priorities are all askew. How about the fatherless, sometimes motherless children that are among us? That's a stronghold in this area that God wants to remedy. He wants to heal. He wants us to take land. You got it, God. Oh, I've got to go grocery shopping. I got to go shopping online for clothes. I got time to watch this ball game. And that little thought that said, I need to pray for little Johnny. I need to pray for his mom. I need to pray for his dad. That little thought that comes in all of a sudden goes out the way because In my agenda for the day, I need my me time, and I'm not going to have time to pray for other people. And (laughs) that's a subconscious thing that goes on, but I just articulated that's a lot of what goes on. Did I tell you this is a hill I'm willing to die on? I hope you are too. Those thoughts that go through our heads that involve praying for other people or a sense of compassion for others. Those are holy thoughts. We don't know what to do with them all the time. We need to take the example of Jesus who prayed and prayed and prayed. Perfect incarnate God here on earth. Perfect, holy, never sinned, but prayed and prayed all night and prayed and prayed if jesus did it should we think that how how can we think we can get away with it the question is do we want to take this land or not and if we do what are we willing to give him are we willing to give him everything And there was silence at ACF. (laughs) This isn't just in Genesis. The psalmist writes in verse 16, Psalm 115, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. There's this onus, this responsibility that we're commissioned to carry in a righteous relationship with God in taking this land. Psalm 8 says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6 says, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. He wants us to quit passing the buck. There's a problem in our region. God, send me. There's a problem with a family. There's a problem with an individual. I am willing. Here am I. Send me. I don't know what to do. Amen, brother. Amen. I don't know what to do. Let's take the example of Samuel. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I don't know how to take this stronghold down. I don't know anything about addiction. I don't have enough education. I don't know the word of God well enough. I'm not anointed in that capacity. Yes, you are. The minute you said yes to Jesus and he filled your heart, you've become a messenger, an ambassador. Now then we are ambassadors for the Lord, for Christ. He gives us the word of reconciliation, that word that doesn't necessarily come out just like I'm articulating it, just like you would articulate it, but a word in season, fitly spoken because it's coming from you, the one that's closest to that person in this body. Or it's coming from you, a stranger with a freshness that breaks the heavy yoke. There is no limit to the ways God wants to use us. Is he not omnipotent? There's nothing that limits him. Here's a little New Testament take the land that (laughs) will sound familiar. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Sounds a lot like subdue the earth to me. Mark 16, go, preach the word to all the world. Go into all the world and preach the word to all creation. Luke, repentance, remission of sins, preach it to all nations. I gave you this list a couple weeks ago. When Joshua went in to the land, there were seven nations that were destroyed in the land of Canaan here are seven. I don't consider this a final list. God may stir your heart to pray in other areas, but these are certainly seven things that I mentioned in a previous message. Marriages. One of the black spots on this region that hasn't been taken is a 40 plus percent divorce rate. Oh, it's better than the 50 that we used to have. Are you kidding me? (laughs) God hates divorce. (laughs) He hates it. He wants zero in this land. That's, That's the type of land that we're called to take. That's the type of land that we're called to sacrifice for. And there's a word from the Lord. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There's a lot of good things going on in this church. There are a lot of good things. Likely in that first, that second generation that took the land, certainly in subsequent generations, there was an acquiescence. The children of Israel started to acquiesce, get comfortable. I've got my barn, (laughs) my retirement, (laughs) my children are all married. Everything's provided, we're happy. So when God says to Joshua in his advanced age, Joshua chapter 13, there's still parts of this land that need to be taken. Oh, do we have to? Everything's, it's great. I mean, I, I don't feel like it. they need to take a hint. There's these three tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh that are on the east side of the Jordan River. And they're very significant for this because of the instruction that they receive from Jesus, from God. God says, you leave your women, you leave your livestock there, cross the Jordan with these, the other tribe members, the other tribes, cross the Jordan and fight with them. Even though your territory is all secured, you cross that Jordan River and take it with them. All for one and one for all. Before that was coined by the three musketeers, that was coined by Jesus. (laughs) Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? None of this, oh, I'm all set. Um, I've got to a three-hour window where I can help, come help you. If you have a three-hour window, I'm not, it's, it's okay. But, but just make sure that that other time is not, like, on Facebook. <laughs> you know, doing stuff that you know we all do. He's calling us to go in deep, all in, for each other. And you know, as we do, this world is going to be changed. Because it's something that the world doesn't have. Outside of the church, outside of loving one another, that communion in him and communion with each other, the world does not taste that. And they yearn for it. Even though they don't know it consciously, they yearn for it in their hearts. Mm -hmm. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. This is before he's taking the, the, the city. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. The new King James gets it right and capitalizes man, his, because it's Jesus. And I'm going to show you why. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Anytime there's bowing before some kind of supernatural uh, visage, a vision, it's only corrected when it's not the Lord himself. Stand up. I'm only an angel. I'm just a messenger of the Most High. This is not corrected. So this is either Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But when we look at the definition of who Jesus is, John 1, verse 14, the word, logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. God, saying yesterday, today, and forever, reveals himself through Jesus, his word, his communication. He reveals himself through Jesus. Notice the sword that's in the man's hand. What is the sword of the Spirit? The word of God, the Logos. This is Jesus talking to Joshua. The Greek word for Joshua is Jesus, Jesus. This is Jesus with a capital J talking to little Jesus, who's going to be his instrument of salvation, his instrument of conquering the land. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is an Old Testament passage that in the ever-present time (laughs) for the here and now applies to us. We need to take an example from Joshua how God wants to work with us how Jesus wants to use us to go in and take the land. I can't see how to take this Jericho. I can't see how these walls are going to come down. Jesus is saying, spend time with me. Take a look at my sword. I'm going to give you instruction. All those sevens mean completion. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author and completer of that which he has created. He perfects things. He makes all things good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God. Jericho was securely shut up. We can look at this region and we can say, oh, there's, there's no way that we're going to see rainbows redefined for what they really are, a representation, a symbol of the Noahic Covenant. We're not going to see homosexuality come down. We can look at this region, and this, this gets my heart, saints of God. Too many, too many brothers and sisters that we've lost in this house to terminal conditions. We can't earn our place with God. There's, there's no earning our salvation. We're all sinners apart from Jesus. By grace are we saved through faith. But there's a way that Jesus did everything he saw the Father doing. Everything he saw the Father doing. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. It makes a difference. When we're in prayer, in the secret place, he promises us to, there's an open reward. There's, There's a divine reward in that. But in the secret places where we get shaped, when he teaches us to pray just after that in Matthew 6, he tells us, stay with me, stay with me. Some of you, I know, I know what it's like to be in a, a journey through the scripture and, and I just want to encourage you, instead of being on Facebook later, maybe watch this video again or listen to this message again. There's a place after he's gone through that simplicity of the prayer that he tells us to be with him that we will gu- he will guide us, he will lead us. He will shape us. He will speak to us. We're not looking, praying in front of other people. We're not fasting in front of other, other people. We're with him. And in that secret place is where we get shaped, where we get refined. God tells Joshua, see, see, ra'ah in the Hebrew. Do you realize? Do you realize this is what you're destined to do? To take this city? Do you realize that I have given it into your hands? With the measure you step forward into it, I will be with you. Mm. It's a type, an Old Testament type, of Emmanuel, God with us. I am with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How much of this land does God want us to take? Oh. Can we do it by ourselves? No. Can God do it by Himself? He's, uh, 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 I asked that question for a reason. Pay attention, pay attention. He is almighty. He's sovereign. But he in his almighty omniscience and sovereignty has designed it that we have dominion. We take the land. He has chosen not to do it without us, just like he did with that first generation. This land will remain unoccupied by righteousness if we don't step forward in faith and take the land. He's, how about this? Will God do it with us? (laughs) All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I love it when the Bible says all. This is Jesus saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I am always with you, even to the end of the age. It's the great commission. He doesn't just force himself on people. Sometimes it feels like it, but we still have a choice. The question for us is if we'll choose to step in to taking this land. Just going to show us one more verse and then close us out. These are the words of Jesus in the last week leading up to his death. Jesus went throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, preaching the word and seeing many come to the Lord. But he didn't see all of those lands one. He didn't see everybody in those lands come to reconcili- reconciliatory faith in Jesus. He didn't see any of them coming into trust God. All of them. He saw many. Rose the dead, that's for us. Cast out demons. Laid hands on the sick, they were healed. Many, many things. He tells us to go. And he says this before he dies on the cross. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Jesus chose to lay down his life and stop when God told him to. No one takes it from me. I'm, I'm, I'm dying on my, no one takes my life from me. I give it of myself, yes. right? That's, that's Jesus. He chose to do that because he was commissioned by the Father to do so, so that we could enter into our commission and take the land. Right. Where Jesus did exactly what God the Father wanted him to do, Voluntarily laid down his life for us so that we could take up our cross and follow him and and step into the commission in increasing measure. Where Jesus laid down his life, he wants us to continue and take the land. All nations, all the world, all creation under him. Let it rest, Josh. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Pastor Paul asked me this week, Josh, you seem a little somber. What's going on? I'm in a wrestling match with my flesh. Because I know deep in my bones that this is what God wants us to do. But my flesh says, well, just do a little bit. (laughs) You've got stuff to do as a pastor. We all have stuff to do. You don't have time to pray for this person. You don't even know him. (laughs) Haven't you done enough? I'm in a wrestling match. And so the somber that Pastor Paul was observing was an honest, getting down on my knees in the spirit and saying, God, I don't want to give any more ground to the flesh. Amen. I don't want to give any more ground to less than what you've called me to do. I want to invite you. You don't have to get on your knees. You can if you want. I want to invite you to join me in that. That's what I feel in the Spirit. Not me, necessarily. I mean, it is me, but more. I I don't. I don't want this to be manipulative. You're free. You're free to choose. I've been in since my first week out of the womb. I've been in churches like this. There's been plenty of services like I'm not buying that. You need to buy this though. But there's grace and there's patience. He's calling us to take up our crosses in a more complete way. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is all about that. I need to love my brothers and sisters. I need to love others with the same love that Jesus had. It's only possible in Him. It's only possible by His grace. And right now, I'm just asking you to join me. Father, we thank you for your grace that enables us to receive the fullness of your love, the love that never fails the love that you've destined me to receive. In Jesus' name, we break off every hindrance that prevents us from receiving your love. We break it off in the name of Jesus. Your love would fill our hearts. It would be pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. It would be a mighty gusher, a pouring in and a pouring out. We would be those that confidently say, because of the love that you put in our hearts, we do not walk, we do not reason, we do not attempt things in our flesh, it's by your Spirit. We identify ourselves as children of God, led by the Holy Spirit in all things. We don't worry about tomorrow, we don't worry about the next month or the next year. We thank you that you say, Jesus, and by your love, it is in our hearts for this day to be the day that we're concerned with. Each and every moment is yours. Just as you walk the earth, and you tell us, Jesus, to imitate you, we walk the earth. Each and every day, receiving our daily bread and saying, Father, what do you want to do today? We thank you for the fresh inspiration that this land is going to be conquered. Yes. This land is going to be conquered for Jesus. Yes. We thank you for the blessing that you have on this land, Lord. I'm just going to leave it at that. Dan, if you would put some music on. You're feel free to leave if you, if you need to. But just stay in prayer. That is where the battle is. It's a spiritual battle. It's in prayer. Pray this. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. Go deep, Father. Go deep in my heart. Go deep in our hearts. Search us. Anything that's not of you, it would be unearthed. It would be revealed in your light so that we can turn from it. Turn from it. Repent. Thank you, Father, for lifting off heaviness as we are with you right now. The heaviness and the burden and how the flesh has just just bogged us down in so many ways and prevented us from stepping into your marvelous light, stepping into the God-given destiny that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, that you're revealing those burdens and they're being let go in the name of Jesus. There is nothing we will not do for you, Father. There's nothing that, you will not, that you, we will not do without you. You're always with us. Always with us. We bless your good and perfect work in our hearts. In Jesus' name.